Hello, everyone. Uh, it's Cassie Ye from Microsoft, and welcome to the Into the Future of APEC. In our episode, we discuss how digital transformation is accelerating information democracy. But today, we are going to deep dive into another crucial aspect of maintaining a successful partnership, design thinking. The Asia-Pacific region is undergoing a rapid transition. As a result, the client's needs may not be always for certain. This is where design thinking becomes very essential for transformation. Transform the abstract idea into a constructive solution for product development. And a design mindset, working methodology and philosophy can be very profound impact on the entire innovation and technology ecosystem in the region. Therefore, it's very crucial to understand the value and also the principle that guide a designer in the work. This is why I'm very excited to introduce Kanai, one of our brilliant team members at Microsoft. And Kanai, currently, she is serving as a U.S. architect, the product design architect based in Tokyo. And Kanai's diversity and her very interesting background make her a valuable asset to the team at Microsoft. Also, and her uh, Japanese heritage combined with her training and experience in multiple countries in the world, giving her a unique perspective and also design thinking also allow her to influence multiple projects in Asia-Pacific region. So today, I'm very, very excited to welcome Kanai to our show. So Kanai, welcome to the show. And how about your star from introduction yourself a bit? Because I know you have been working with multiple leading industrial companies, not just within Japan, but also across the world. So maybe you start from giving our audience more information about yourself. Sure. First of all, so thank you so much for the you know, Cassie kind of introduction. Um, my name is Kanae Nomura uh, uh, from Microsoft, and I also think work with Cassie as a UX architect. So the as she said already, the since so that I started my career, I've been you know fortunate enough to work full time in the three different countries: the Germany, the U.S., and Japan. Uh, this is my mother, you know, country, and each country so that I worked for the um, companies with the, uh, yeah, the different types of the business, including the you know, corporate and startup and the consulting firm and like a Microsoft, you know, like a tech giant uh, throughout my career. So my role and responsibility also then has transitioned and also expanded from the industrial designer to interaction designer and eventually now they're to design and consult user experience. Can I understand you work as the in-house designer as a recon and a Japanese company specializing in the product office products such as the printer and camera. And I know is um, somehow is a very consumer centric product. But in the same time, while you are relocated to U.S. and the focus on the new business development design, mm. and somehow um, it's also a need to uh, cultivate a new idea and get that into a product which can be commercial, can be sales across the mm. world, right? So as we know, innovation can be risky. It doesn't necessarily turn into commercialized product. So tell us more about why design thinking is very important you know, from 
transform a creative idea, innovative idea into the product. So I know there might be some methodology, or you can just share your experience. How can you really turn into, you know, turn the magic becoming real product? I'd like to really just share my kind of the failure experience first. Okay. okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, when, the, you know, I worked at the Vico, we luckily had the an opportunity to launch the uh, new, you know, cutting edge product. It's been the, so the uh, new 360 degree cameras. Don't get me wrong. It was a revolutionary product that you using the, uh, I told you the cutting edge technology, the optical technology, but the team, including me, were so, so focused on the product itself. Therefore, you know, we couldn't really explain to you how it would change the people's lives or, you know, the work it was released. The team was super, you know, product-centric, mm-hmm. not user-centric. And we needed to show the people how this product enhanced their daily experience, but we couldn't. So we should have to focus more on creating the uh, coherent, you know, experience that combined both the hardware and the software, not just on the product features alone. Actually, the, from this experience, I learned how important it is to listen and, uh, you know, emphasize users' voices. It's been really human-centered, and it's design thinking core principle ask users and the same users. Yeah, so if I am a photo lover or I'm like a YouTuber, <laughs> I will definitely need to, you know, have that kind of very cool 360-degree camera. But to mm-hmm. your point, as a user, somehow I feel, wow, it's, a, you know, have a very strong feature, but I probably won't, don't have any idea what's the scenario, what's in some kind of like a situation I'm going to use like a 360-degree camera, right? So yeah. I think you presented a very interesting idea. So, you know, instead of uh, make that very product-focused, you are rather you spend more time to make that the user-focused. So can you elaborate mm-hmm. more about mm-hmm. if you want to do the product again, I mean once again, and you also want to embrace the uh, user-centric design. So what's methodology you probably will introduce into this um, design thinking process? That's a good question. Differently, so then I wanted to start from the user's voice. And I understand these types of the innovative product, you know, don't have the, any the potential users yet the, because the product is very the, unique and brand new and nobody usually they use that you know that types of the product so far but so we have the you know, way to you know uh research that hidden the users needs or their potential user scenarios based on their some researches with the uh, you know users so i will make I think so. Then I would make the you know, user scenarios, the based on the some the user interviews, and it's of course the potential scenarios, but quite helpful to you know share the some our vision and what kind of the experience we can deliver to the users, you know, with the team. 
Yeah, so you mentioned about, I think definitely we'll need to do some like interview or, you know, more mm -hmm. uh, understanding about the potential user scenario. But when you conduct the user interview with you and to mm -hmm. really think about, okay, so that could be the potential product prototyping and that could be the potential product design. And is there any like a criteria or consideration you need to put together to really think about will that be a right product we need to go for? In the interview, different countries, so they you know, we really emphasize the you know user's voice the first and not so they you know, leading the interview at all. However, thereafter, you know, consolidated consolidating to all of the you know, users potential in potential users' voice and we try to get the insight, you know, what kind of the you know typical shared experience for the in terms of the users, so that will be the required. And so the based on the everything, so the user's voice, but also the, you know, we can collect the kind of the idea of the experience it would be the you know, deliver. And also, the, you know, all right, after so the we finding the some potential experiences. So then what kind of future is appropriate to deliver such types of the uh, experience to the users? Mm -hmm. Yeah, understand that. So I know somehow um, from product, very product-centric design, I mean, the feasibility, I mean, in terms mm -hmm. of like a technology would be always the top priority to think about. But you also mentioned about to collect the user uh, experience, right? And also the business uh, potential. So is there any other criteria you need to put together? I know you actually share with the uh, broader thing about like a, like a five pillar or maybe mm -hmm. the um, five or four consideration you need to think about. So can you elaborate more about other consideration? Uh, sure. I'm the UX architect. I always sort of focus on the desirability. But also, you know, we have to think about the you know, four major considerations when you know, we think about an innovative product, the, let's say, the you know, desirability, and also the you know, visibility. Visibility means the technical viability, right? And also the uh, viability of the business. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, we easily to forget about the strategy fit of the, you know, company strategy or the company vision or the you know, team's the vision, that's also the important. So visibility, desirability, viability, and the strategic fit. These are the four major considerations so that we have to think about. So I believe those four considerations will you know, mm -hmm. help the company or the product team able to really uh, find a balance between the human-centered design and the product-centered design. Okay, so... Mm -hmm. Um, it's good to know all those the four considerations. But I guess our audience, especially myself, I know um, Japan are very proud of the uh, the craftsman spirit. Somehow in Chinese, we call that the Jiren Jingshen, or in English, we call that, you know, um, super, super uh, craftsman and very professional and obsessed about the uh, precision and always want to drive for 100% perfectionness. Right. So maybe you can tell us more about what's your view about craftsman uh, spirits and that craftsman spirit. Somehow, I think that can drive for the excellent when you are uh, doing the product design. But I also understand because the world that we are working now, um, basically, there is a lot of uncertainty. 
And when people are seeking for the innovation, somehow you need to take some risk. So what I'm wondering, will that be a craftsman spirit or you know, professionists will be against the growth mindset, will be also a blocker while people are thinking about taking some risk. People will be very comfortable in their safe zone instead of willing to tracing for some of the risk. What's your view on that? I see the Kelsey, that's a good point because the I still think a lot of the Japanese traditional companies often hesitant to take a risk. <laughs> so and also you know, the craftsmanship is the one of the greatest, you know, learnings from the uh, my career in Japan. Yeah, through the uh, I worked at the uh, manufacturing company. I'm so appreciative. So you know how the you know, I was influenced, and also the I practiced such you know types of the mindset, craftsmanship. So <laughs> I could say the you know that is the amazing the you know the value or asset in the uh, Japanese the manufacturing company. But also, they sometimes so they, uh, makes them not to take the risk because they, they are, you know, precision. So they are against a kind of, you know, trying or the take the risk with the uh, somehow the uncertain, you know, the things. However, you know, I would like to say the craftsmanship mindset is not against the growth mindset because craftsmanship mindset can actually be quite beneficial to the product design process, particularly the after the prototype has been completed. That mindset encourage that focus on the continuous improvement and uh, refinement of the product iteration. I mean, you know, so by applying this approach to the final stage of the design process, designers and engineers can ensure that the end result meets the highest standard of the quality and usability. Yeah, so can I, I agree with that. The cross mm-hmm. mindset can be, you know, trigger or also motivate the people, especially for Japanese people who is proud of the uh, craftsman spirit and always mm-hmm. strive for the excellence, right? Also, I recall that while we are talking about like growth mindset, we also talking about fail fast. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's just my perception. I feel, you know, if people are really afraid of fail and they probably won't take risk, even because the risk might, you know, introduce some of the failure. So maybe you can share with us more your experience. How do you or how did you usually encourage your customer? I mean, especially for, um, I mean, Japanese customer and mm-hmm. who might, you know, always want to, you know, have more the safe plan. How can you encourage them to take more openness and, you know, willing to try some new approach? Even that could be, you know, uh, having some failure. Yeah, thanks, Kelsey. It's really the challenging, you know, <laughs> the point for mm-hmm. me the daily. And I would like to say, you know, the growth mindset, the, as you know, the you know, Microsoft encouraged the, you know, keeping the uh, growth mindset for the older employee. And for us, 
that's natural, right? Mm-hmm. The, you know, always the welcoming the you know, failure because, you know, sometimes, so, you know, you are so lucky, so you failed earlier. It's windy, so that we could avoid, you know, the critical, you know, mistake of failure in the end of the year process, <laughs> the, mm-hmm. you know, product, you know. But for the customers, it's not easy. So the first, you know, I tried to explain, you know, we have the growth mindset. You know, Microsoft also, you know, we try to encourage the old employee to keep the growth mindset. It's meaning you know, always welcoming the, you know, failure. And because the failure is the proof of the, you know, we are running and also the growth process, right? Mm-hmm. And in, in the middle of the, you know, product design, the failure means not failure. We learn a lot. Mm-hmm. And so the, it's a chance or the opportunity to improve the, the refine the product, okay. design of the system, something like that. So I believe that, you know, it's aligned well with the, you know, principle of the design thinking. So I continuously saw the talk with the customers like this. Wow. Can I list a really good point? So things like, you know, just like in the very beginning, you starting from sharing some of the fail. <laughs> example, right? Yes. So yes. people really, really somehow I know people love to hear story, especially for the failure story. Mm. But people is not really, you know, like the failure. People love to how to transform the failure go to success, mm. right? So I think you made a very good point that you may starting from it's it's no it's not shameful to having some failure experience. The most important is if you can learn from all those failure and turn that into the secret sauces and to make the, uh, make your project even successful. So I think you made a very good point that you are you know having a very openness idea and you know willing to share all those failure. But the point is um, you know take less uh, asset, take less mm-hmm. uh, lesson, but turn that into a you know successful experience. So I think that's a very good point. Right. So I also very curious about, you know, the combining the growth mindset with the equipment, uh, my share. I think that's allowed to re- redefine the role of the modern designer and create a powerful approach and to design that balance innovation, flexibility and also attention to detail. So because for myself, I have the, you know, I have actually witnessed how you you know, um, really having the conversation with the customer and to trigger them, you know, to take some new approach and try to, you know, really uh, redefine or refine the, the product. So I really, you know, see uh, how can you really, um, you know, take the concept but into your action. Also, I realized that uh, I guess in our industry, in IT industrial, and also in some of like hardware-driven innovation in industrial, I would say women is not really, um, you know, the majority. <laughs> Somehow men is uh, still dominant in this industry, right? So, um, but however, I mean, you and me, we all recognize diversity is a very foundation, you know, for yeah. the innovation, uh, not in the Asia Pacific, I think it's across the world and also across industry. So uh, maybe you can tell me, or tell the audience more about your experience and what's your take regarding the diversity. Maybe we're starting from like gender or the culture because mm. I know 
you mentioned about you has been working in Germany and you know the United States, um, working also in uh, for the United States. So I guess as um, I mean the Japanese heritage woman is um, become usually become the minority uh, in those the working environments. So maybe you can share with the uh, uh, the broader audience about so what's what's your experience you know to be the minority working in those the uh, working environment. Yeah, that's an interesting point because, you know, yeah, for example, in the U.S., maybe not in the U.S., I could say in Germany, I was Asian at the team and also, you know, I was Japanese. It's very the minority and also the even, you know, I was um, women, <laughs> women. I think so, you know, I worked several times, so the, I'm the really the minority of the team. However, roughly the Everyone Solian has kind of the you know uh, open mindset and also you know focusing on the mind specialties expertise. In that case, so they, we don't you know so much care about the you know my nationalities or the, my genders or my you know kind you know kind of the ages or something like that. So the you know, people so they, you know treated me as the you know one the professional of the you know, UX. And mm-hmm. back to the you know, when I started my career in Japanese uh, in traditional company, of course, I feel like uh, I'm the woman almost every day because the, what to say, well, we have the uh, kind of the social pressure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, women should be the quieter than the men. And also the you know, it's more the carefully to suggest their, their own the p- opinion mm-hmm. and not to be the bossy, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like a humble is the beauty for the women. And I believe already, so the uh, Japanese society is going to change a lot. But still, I believe there are so many the female, you know, employees in Japan, so they are struggling to the, you know, these types of the situation. Yeah, so I mean, you probably very interesting idea. So while you are working in those the uh, multinational company, like you are, work, you has been working in uh, Germany, and also U.S. based company, right? So I think people, you know, really um respect all those diversity, but in the same time, the professional or expertise are the major as that's the really important things. Mm-hmm. But in the same time, you also mentioned about while you are back to your home country in Japan, and you also need to be culture aware of the uh, potential, like, uh, you know, the cultural shock and also some of mm-hmm. like cultural things. And that's kind of bear in mind. So I'm curious about, you have the, I mean, the experience for working with the multiple country, multiple culture. So what's learning did you gain from working in the different cultures? So um, do you take any advantage from your, your like, uh, you know, Japanese heritage or, you know, the gender minority, like a woman working in the, no, no matter in the IT industry or uh, somewhere else? So what's your tech, what's your learning uh, by working with the uh, different culture? Uh, yes, so they working in the different cultures. It's mainly sometimes, so, you know, the people think about, you know, working in the different countries. But the first rounding <laughs> from the, my career, I realized, so the, you know, working in the different culture, 
doesn't mean that working in different countries or different, you know, uh, countries sort of who speak the different languages, like, you know, German, Japanese, or English. It's more than that. So, the, you know, it's more that, you know, we have the, uh, several different types of the, you know, background, like, uh, you know, the designers, engineers, even, the, you know, we speak the same languages, so that we have the different background and the different business types, like, uh, you know, corporate and the startup and the consulting firm, such as the, I, I work in, that's also the different culture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, a lot of the, you know, definitions of the different cultures, not only they work in the, in the different you know, countries. That is the um, first thing you know, in my takeaway. So, you know, what's the meaning of the working in the different cultures? Yeah, so, can I, I think you brought up a very interesting idea. In the surface, people are always thinking about, okay, diversity, that's really about, like, gender diversity mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, social status um, uh diversity or even like you mentioned about um, working in the different country doesn't necessarily mean working in a different culture, right? Mm-hmm. And I think underneath that, you also brought up a very interesting idea. You know, for example, the team currently we are setting up, we are setting up in the, dis- I mean, the multi-discipline team, right? So we have engineer, we have the PM, we have, um, I mean, the user-centric design architect, just like your role, right? So I think um, underneath that, I mean, in it's a more profound way. We actually are working in a very diverse uh, experience or the environment, which, you know, actually can trigger, you know, more innovation because we have the different expertise, right? So I guess what I will be more interested about, so you understand there's a difference between the different role and the different culture. And you know what's the uh, principle you want to bring up or oh. what you want to share with the broader, um, mm. broader audience? I mean, people are very different, right? Mm. So um, in your like a daily job, how can you really accommodate that difference, but in the same time, try to find the common value across the team, mm. no matter you are maybe coming from a different country, different culture, or you having a different discipline. So can you share more about your discipline or your principle while you try to embrace all those differences? Yeah, sure. Like I say, uh, because the, you know, that is one of the, you know, my, the big, biggest challenges. So that's really you know, all of the, uh, my career and experiences the last you know, decade. And actually, so the, I got the uh, three lines from the, you know, having the working in the different cultures. I mean, the also, you know, already the, Working different cultures, you know, doesn't mean in that different countries. It's more than, you know, working in the diverse team. So first is that, you know, of course, the accepting diverse, <laughs> you know, accepting diverse. And furthermore, seeing it's as desirable, you know, enjoying the situation more than the, you know, not the diverse the team. How do you know? Amazing, so you know we can work with the different types of people, different types of their background, different types of their cultures. That's amazing. So they uh, always, so then I'm trying to accept 
diversity. And so they oh, wow, that is amazing situation. I'm so lucky. <laughs> and this second, and assuming the differences. Yes, so that we are working with the different and working with the diverse team. So that everyone has a different background, different you know, goals, and different maybe the languages. So that we should always strive to make the dialogue with the others using appropriate languages. This language is not meaning that, you know, English or the Japanese. Mm-hmm. It's more than the, you know, like uh, what is in appropriate languages. So, you know, when the, I speak to the uh, non-designers mm-hmm. or when the, you know, I speak something to the designers, we can use the, you know, design languages, but uh, to the uh, engineers, I needed to change or switch a little bit, you know, language for them, right? So it's mainly so really important to adjusting the our languages to the listener or the you know, someone so the you know, that so the you know, we want to make the dialogue. And the last one is the most important and because the we tend to, you know, uh, try to find the uh, commonalities when uh, we communicate with others. Mm-hmm. However, working in a diverse team is not a great approach. I recommend, you know, finding what is a shared model rather than the finding the you know, common model with others. It's mainly so that we, you know, in diverse work environment, that is, you know, it's most important is the values shared point and the point of the empathy with the, you know, teams or teammate. So we shouldn't sort of, you know, try to find only the focus, in the, you know, try to find the only the commonality. It's more than you know, appreciate how difference and then so that's why, you know, we shared a lot of the pieces with the, you know, much different. Yeah, so Kanai, I really like the way you describe the diversity. So I also mm-hmm. share the same you know, feeling with you. I mean, having the curiosity is very important, right? So, Ah, you know, having the curiosity always um, motivate you to, you know, to know more about the people who might very different with you, right? But in the same time, time, I feel you're also good at to helping others to understand you. Because Mm. when we deal with the diversity, when we really deal with the difference, Having a mutual understanding is very important to understand others, but also helping others to understand you. So I think your first one and two point, basically, you you elaborate that very in a very perfect way. You know, to understand others, but also to helping others to understand you. The last but not least, of course, the foundation. Fundamentally, you also need to find the commonality and to share the core value, to share the common value within the team. Right, so I think that's really good to uh, talk to you and you, um, you know, help us to understand, you know, um, having, I mean, the Japanese heritage and how you're working with a lot of multinational company and to trigger the idea of the uh, innovation. But in the same time, the design thinking is very critical for you to abstract the idea and to turn that into the business impact. So also consider the four consideration, um, the technology feasibility, 
the business viability and also um, try to fit into the strategy, but in the same time also um, um, try to uh, find the viability of the business. So those are very good suggestions. And so thank you, Kanai, for uh, joining me uh, to talk about uh, design thinking and also the innovation and, of course, um, the combination of the Kremlin spirit and also the um, a growth mindset. So thank you for um, joining me today and really, really uh, glad to uh, meet you and also uh, to having a further conversation. So thank you for Kanai. Uh, thank you so much, Kelsey. I also enjoyed uh, you know, talking with you about your design thinking and also you know, my experience and learnings today. Thanks. Thank you, Kanai. Thank you all. <laughs>